This is Angela Mitten, and I'm the ACT counsellor. I'm here to talk to you about all things to do with ACT or acceptance and commitment therapy. I'm a big fan of acceptance and commitment therapy, and I use it in my private practice on a regular basis with clients. This is the therapy that underpins most of what I do with my clients. I also find that it's really complementary to a whole lot of other therapeutic approaches that I draw from when supporting people. I also use acceptance and commitment therapy in my own life. So for me, it's not just a therapeutic approach. It's been a huge game changer for me and has kind of become a way of viewing the world. So this podcast is about sharing some of the ACT skills and strategies, whether you get personal counselling or not. What I want to talk to you today about is imposter syndrome. At the end of this podcast, you'll know what imposter syndrome is and how to make sure that it doesn't hold you back. To help me out, I've invited someone to join me on a Zoom call today. Linda Mitten is a counsellor in private practice based in Port Macquarie. Now, if you notice something there that we have the same surname, that's because aside from being a fabulous counsellor, Linda is also my fabulous sister. Hi, Linda, and welcome to the ACT counsellor. Hi, Ange. Thanks so much for inviting me to talk to you today. How's things in paradise today? Absolutely beautiful, as always. Now, we're here to talk about imposter syndrome today. Do you know much about that? Oh, yes, I think I do. Imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that your success is deserved or that you have legitimately achieved the success and accolades that you're getting as a result of your own efforts or skills. So imposters suffer from a chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraud that overrides any feelings of success or external proof of competence. So it's like it's a a feeling of inadequacy that persists despite evidence of success. Yes, indeed. When people experience imposter syndrome, they can feel like it's just a matter of time before someone's going to work it out. There's a fear that they'll be found out to be an imposter. And it can be a huge problem for people, can't it? Oh, yes. Those thoughts can seem like a negative voice that's going round and round in our head and getting louder and giving us all sorts of reasons not to do something, not to take that risk. And if you listen to them, it can really get in the way of doing things that matter. Sometimes imposter syndrome can be really distracting. The fear that people are going to find out that you're the wrong person for the job can be overwhelming and anxiety-provoking. And when the fear that you're not quite good enough comes up, well, what are you going to do? Sometimes what happens is that we tend to push ourselves really hard to try to be perfect, and this can cause a great deal of anxiety. So I guess then that ramps up those feelings of overwhelm that I spoke about in last week's podcast. But on the other hand, the flip side of that would be a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. So when does imposter syndrome show up the most? It can show up in lots of areas of our lives. Um, But it's very common when applying for a new job, for example, or if we're required to speak in front of others, such as a class presentation or, you know, in any way where you're presenting yourself and putting yourself out there to an audience. 
So there's that sneaky feeling that we might be wrong or that others will think that we're stupid or we'll say something silly. Funnily enough, imposter syndrome is actually really common in people who are high achievers. So these thoughts can lead us to become quite hypervigilant. We can be scanning around for signs that people are judging us, trying to read their faces and read their minds, waiting for them to discover that we're not quite perfect. And we might go over and over in our head one small little piece of negative feedback, even when there's lots and lots of positive feedback. So in our efforts to feel more in control, we might find ourselves over-researching our topic. If we can read every study ever published and recited, then we may feel more comfortable, confident or sure of ourselves or be able to answer any question that might be thrown up at us and not feel tripped up by it. Alternatively, we may find ourselves feeling paralysed by this fear and, and our overwhelming thoughts so that we end up procrastinating and not preparing at all. And of course, the obvious strategy is to just avoid the situation altogether so we don't take on anything that's risky and that might take us out of our comfort zone. And this is really quite sad because it means we're denying ourselves opportunities for growth and to challenge ourselves and to fully participate. Do you have any personal experience that you'd be happy to share? Yes. Actually, quite recently, I was invited to give a presentation about health and body image to a group of women in Port Macquarie. And initially, I was really flattered to be invited and excited as this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. And so my immediate response was to say yes. Then as I began to think more about it, I found myself obsessing about what am I going to say? What could I possibly tell them about this issue? And I noticed that I started spending lots of time on Google and crawling through all my textbooks and looking for more and more information, checking out data and looking for really clever images that I could use in my presentation. And then I found myself awake at night, agonising over it more, wondering what I was going to say, rehearsing things and starting to feel really quite sick in the stomach, actually. Were you able to recognise that it was imposter syndrome showing up? I didn't realise it at first, but then when I realised that I was thinking to myself, I should just say that I can't do it, that's when I realised, hello, this sounds just like my imposter is trying to take over here. It is an absolute beast of a thing, isn't it? I think I've struggled with imposter syndrome myself on and off at various points in my life, but Mostly I didn't call it imposter syndrome. I didn't even know the term. I just listened to what my mind was telling me and I followed that thought. I experienced actually a lot of imposter syndrome around the use of the word musician. So even though I played instruments, taught music in a school, led singing groups, was in a band, if someone asked me if I was a musician, I would kind of start humming and hurrying, oh, well, mm, ah. And it was as though the word police were going to show up at my door and tell me I'm not allowed to use that term in reference to myself because I'm not good enough. I have to tell you, my inner imposter shows up from time to time. Even when I'm doing this podcast, my mind can jump in and say things like, oh, there are probably loads of other ACT counsellors out there that could do a better job than me. I really should just sit down and shut up. Who do I think I am telling other people how to do ACT? I'm just a beginner. I'm a new kid on the block. 
if those real ACT counsellors hear what I have to say, they're going to work out you're a fraud. (laughs) So I have some experience of that inner imposter myself. And it could be a real problem. I tend not to get so hooked by those thoughts these days. And fortunately for me, even though some of those things could be true, ACT does not actually try and investigate whether the content of my thoughts are true or not. ACT is all about developing psychological flexibility and deciding what the effects might be if I followed those thoughts. So if I followed those thoughts, it might be that I wouldn't do the podcast, even though I had a deep desire to do the podcast. So Linda, if a client was telling you that they were having these kind of thoughts, how would you support them? What are your go-to strategies to manage imposter syndrome? Well, in the example that I said before about me preparing for a presentation, once I actually took notice of what I was doing and what my mind was telling me, I was able to actually name the story and being able to say to myself, ah, this is imposter syndrome showing up. Ah, right, I know what this is. So I was able to recognise how those thoughts were actually almost sabotaging my efforts. So it was having quite an impact on me at the time. But once I recognised it, I named it. It enabled me to put a bit of distance between myself and to be able to view the situation a bit more realistically. Um, This gave me permission to, to just have a go, do my best and let that be good enough. So when working with clients who are talking about similar concerns, I tend to try and help them to also recognise that this is just thoughts that are going on and that the thoughts aren't necessarily facts and that the thoughts don't need to actually dictate the actions they choose. So when working with clients, uh, I also often introduce them to the work of Kristen Neff, who is a researcher on self-compassion. So teaching people to be compassionate with themselves, to be able to recognise ways of extending that kindness to themselves when they're facing something really difficult. So there's really three steps to self-compassion that Kristen Neff tells us. And the first step is about mindfulness. So that idea of recognising this is a moment of pain or this is a moment of stress or fear. So just naming it, recognising it, it gives us that little bit of space once we can recognise what's happening. And so then the next step is recognising that suffering is actually a part of life. Other people also feel this way. We're not alone in this difficulty. Many people struggle with what it is that I'm facing as well. And so part of being human, it's a human condition. And then the third step is expressing kindness. So I might encourage my clients to offer themselves a kind gesture, the same way they might offer that to a friend who was struggling with something really difficult. So it might be just putting a kind, warm hand over their heart and just noticing the feeling of the warmth going into their body, offering themselves a kind thought like, may I be kind to myself or may I be patient or may I be strong. So just some kind word that helps to recognise the pain that they're dealing with at the time. Thanks, Linda. I love the work of Kristen Neff. Her compassion-focused therapy really integrates well with ACT. Yes, it does. 
what would you do, Ange, in terms of supporting people with imposter syndrome? Firstly, I find that some psychoeducation can be helpful. Our caveman mind is geared towards checking and comparing ourselves. And that's way back in the caveman days. We needed to make sure we didn't get booted out of the tribe. So our fear of judgment of others is perfectly rational and a reasonable response. Secondly, if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, one of the things you can do is to notice what your mind is telling you, which is what you talked about as well. So many people just go with their thoughts unquestioningly. ACT teaches us to begin observing our thoughts. And as you said, you can also start putting a little bit of a distance between yourself and the thought. In ACT, this is called diffusion. What you do is you might say, I'm noticing my mind is telling me that I'm not good enough. I notice that my mind is telling me that I'm a phony. I'm having the thought that people will find out I'm a fraud. And this shift in the way we label our thoughts helps us remember that these thoughts are the creation of our minds. ACT helps us to change the way we relate to our thoughts rather than placing importance on if the thought is true or not. I would ask a client to ask themselves, if you let that thought dictate what you do now, what happens? Does it take you toward or away from a rich and meaningful life? Now, even when these thoughts are showing up, taking committed action in the direction of your values is a way to move forward and gain momentum in the direction of what truly matters to you. So, for example, if you've been asked to do some public speaking and your inner imposter is having a field day and really getting in the way of your preparation, you know, by way of procrastination, or perhaps you become overwhelmingly tired, if you come back to what really matters here and be willing to make room for that discomfort, move towards the action. So it's kind of as opposed to getting bogged down by the self-doubt and dread and the fear, you connect with those deeper reasons why you might be committing yourself to doing the public speaking. Is it in the service of connection, education or contribution perhaps? When we uncover our values and work out what truly matters, that can be quite a revelation to people. Sometimes I find people haven't given it much consideration. So some of the things I might ask a client is, what do you want to stand for here? How do you want to behave even when these thoughts are showing up? The thing with ACT is that we're not really looking at the content of the thought, just what effect it has on our behaviour if we choose to follow it. I feel, I feel like I've done a pretty fast, really fast dance around the hexaflex, as Russ Harris would call it. That was a quick snapshot of the six ACT processes. So it's not like there's a right and wrong choice here. It still comes back to choosing based on what is workable action or not. And as a result of those ACT processes, people find that the imposter syndrome ends up having less power over them. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Linda. We are limited to Zoom calls at the moment as we have border closures between us right now, don't we? Yes, it's really frustrating, but so grateful that we've got Zoom. Thanks a lot for having me today. It's been really great to have a chat. Now tell us about where people can find you, Linda. My practice is called Smooth Sailing Counselling and it's located in Port Macquarie, New South Wales. 
I offer face-to-face -face and also Zoom counselling services for adults. People can find me on my website, which is smoothsailingcounselling.com.au. Well, I do hope that this has been helpful to you, our listeners, and gives some insight into what imposter syndrome is and whether it has, in fact, been showing up for you, and also some tips on how to manage it. Please know that this podcast is developed for entertainment and educational purposes, and it definitely is not intended to replace one-to-one counselling or provide therapy. Just listening to a podcast is not always enough. And if you are really struggling with imposter syndrome, finding a good counsellor is recommended or contact the mental health lines in your area. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Chrysalis Counselling. And if you are interested in ACT and finding out more about the six ACT processes, you can head on over to my website at chrysaliscounselling.com.au and sign up for my newsletter. For the month of August, we have a free 27-page ebook called Act Your Way when you join my email list. So jump on over to my website to download that. It's all about using ACT to live more of the life that you've imagined. Until next time, stay chill. Thank you.